Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we build fantastical worlds together step by step with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with conscientiously consternated Chris Prunty. He keeps on getting bigger. In our last episode, <laughs> we introduced four new races to our ever-expanding realm, including the Ashenborn, a race trapped between life and death, the Quill, a parasitic insectoid who befriends its hosts, the name Pending, an ancient race responsible for all the bizarre goings-on underground, and the Spriggan, shape-shifting fae who transform from small and frail to large and in charge. Today, we create our very first city in the name of the god of engineering and hope we don't get bored with it and start spamming disasters like it's SimCity 2000. Chris, let's talk some cities today. All right. Before we start our own city... I wanted to talk about some cities in fiction that you and I perhaps both very much enjoy. How do you feel about this? I feel fine about that. There, there's plenty of city. A bunch of the cities that I like, though, do come off as post-apocalyptic. Okay. I do can, like that nature, but... That's it, totally it, fine. We can talk about that. What would you like to start with? I think both of us can agree that we love China Mayville, mm-hmm. and we also love his city. We're talking about New Crobazone. Yes. Yes. Okay, that was on my list of cities to talk about. I absolutely agree. What specifically do we like about New Crobazone exactly? So the thing that I always liked about it was the fact of certain sites in them, instead of Little Italy, it's the Cactus Village, mm-hmm. which is a greenhouse and everything. And just the world building of what has to happen with that, of saying just like, oh, it has these great big glass walls no one's ever gone in it or escaped from it because mm-hmm. it's a cactus only zone mm-hmm. it, it builds mystery and i like i like in books and anything where i'm like oh god i want to go there just learn more about it yeah i i think that any good city especially in fiction anything that has features that make you go i want to see that or i want to go and visit that is is a is a good uh starting point i think that yeah new chromosome for me as well I think that it's really vast. I love the fact that there's all sorts... Like, it's built within the bones of a giant beast. Mm -hmm. So already you get this really cool geographical aspect to it. There are uh, public transit lines everywhere, which I find really interesting as as an idea. Uh, You'll see that that is kind of a a through line in some of the cities that I have chosen here. But beyond that, I also just... I think that having all of the different districts and... The idea that it feels like a living, breathing city. I think that's really important that it's not just being written about, well, this is the high court and this is the fancy part and this is the inn. It's a matter of he bring Meville brings you to slaughterhouses. He brings you to all of the different like ethnic and racial uh, ghettos and slums, which I think is really important. And he'll you know, mention when they're close to each other and like how there might be a little bit of friction or how they actually get along as, as a group of people. Like uh, this group and that group are traditionally enemies, but they found some common ground here because mm-hmm. all of them hate pretty much the city officials. Yeah, I, well, that's a, a fairly common thing as well. Uh, one that I don't think is necessarily on the top of many people's lists, but it is certainly near and dear to my heart is the city of Bossing Say, which is from Avatar the Last Airbender. It's essentially just a giant ringed city with which was previously impregnable. And not only do I love this city because it is 
visually interesting in that it's a big ring city with that's separated. It has it's essentially self-sustaining as well. Mm. There are farms. There is a public transit system that it has basis in reality of the world. It's like the weird trains that were the, by yeah, earthbenders. Yeah, they're they're essentially trolleys that are pushed, which it, which I think is pretty cool because then you get the idea of. I want to know what that guy's day is like, where he's just pushing a thing with earth magic all day. And then on top of that, you also get the political aspect, which I really like in the Dai Li, which are the secret police of Ba Sing Se. So not only is there kind of a visual representation of this is a fortress from without, the Dai Li, the secret police also represent the prison within so there it's i i there's a there's a lot of really interesting thematic elements going on with bossing says but i think and the history built upon it is also fascinating it also had that really weird bear yeah what was up with that bear it was just a bear i uh, doesn't make any sense yeah luckily luckily we're moving on to actually i don't know if you do you know tolis at all no i don't what's that so tolis is written by monty cook who is one of my favorite game designers, he basically writes a mega city into this giant tome. And I spent an entire summer reading the PDF from front to back one year. Wow. And it was one of my favorite settings. One of my, it it was a genuinely huge inspiration for me to up my game. And a lot of it actually inspired one of my games, which you have played in called Bastige, where it's I essentially fell in love with the idea of a mega city. It has everything that a, a typical fantasy city has in that it has dungeons beneath, it has plenty of factions around it, as all sorts of cool, interesting fa- little just spices here and there, which I really, really love. I think the idea of it they introduce chaos attack, which is basically chaos magic in the form of technology. They introduce guilds that are all about, finding monsters and basically making them good and there's some fairly sinister aspects to it that perhaps sounds like slavery with some extra steps not quite but it's but the whole point is that tolis is just teeming with hooks and ideas and you know it's it's just a great again livable city Anything that you can feel yourself living in, I think, is important because it also he talks about the economy and how people get around and, you know, there are rickshaws and and carriages and that's the general way that you can travel. And he also talks about that. Hey, don't spend all your money around because you're going to gain attention. attention. Yeah, right. And I think that's really fun as well. It's odd that you mentioned large city mega cities or anything because it's not. I, I I wasn't sure if this was counts as a city or if it's more of a part. But uh, Mega City One, peach trees. Wow. I it's it's definitely it's definitely a part. But when you started to say that, I'm like, oh, he's going to Mega City One. Mega City One. Which peach yes, tree. Yeah, yeah. I for for those of you who haven't seen Dread, my God, go see Dread. It's so good. It it's is. it's one of the best. I mean, it's just a fantastic movie. You can also see, you know, the original one. But definitely, no, you can watch it after to see how far we've come as a people. That's very (laughs) true, actually. That's that's probably the smartest thing you've said on this podcast so far. (laughs) (laughs) Demolition Man is a work of art and a homage. I I just, 
vomited in your mouth? No, no. That's from the Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the last city that I wanted to talk about was uh, Ravnica, which you may not know because you're not a a Magic the Gathering nerd like I am. No, no. But I've brought it up previously in that Ravnica is home of ten guilds, each of them two colors of magic combined, and each of them have a strong personality. For example, each color in magic represents a certain aspect of life in a certain way. So when you combine them, you get really interesting ideals. So, for example, green and black is... Black is basically death magic. Green is basically life magic. Kind of nature magic as well. But when you combine the two, you get this society that live under the sewers and they're recyclers. So they take the dead, they break them down, they turn them into something useful. Again, what I like is that they're a functioning part of the city. They have a place and you're like, oh yeah, people need this type of creatures or or this type of service to to make a functioning society. Yeah, like in uh, Pathfinder, I forget the name of the city in one of their Pathfinder Chronicles, the one that has the Crimson King or something. I, You know, it's funny you mentioned that I, I actually removed that from my list because I also love that city as well. It was a very nice city, and I remember at one point in it, it had the uh, sewers that had those giant things that ate up all of the garbage. and Odiugs. The, the Odiugs, yes. that was it. And I, yeah. I really did like that aspect of it because it was just like, oh man, let's go into the sewers. And that's something that players and people, for some reason, just love to do. They're like, oh, we need to get into some place? Let's take the sewers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that when we talk about cities, we talk about the things that we love about them. I think what we've talked about thus far is they're interesting. They are they can they feel livable. They feel like everything has a place. Because what I what I tend to dislike about certain magical cities is one, like I said before, there's three locations. There's the king's court. There's the inn, mm-hmm. and then there's the gateway out or in. Yeah. B- because the, it's like, what else matters? Like, who cares? That That is something that I also hate and go on a bit of a rant of my own. Of Elder Scrolls used to be very good at what they call cluttering the world and making uh, world-building stories that kind of tell their own story. So in Marwin and everything, great game, fantastic game. You could go into a city and there would be something that you would never have a fucking reason to go into that building. It would be like a bookseller. You go in there. The only reason you would ever go in there naturally is to rob all of the expensive books and sell them somewhere else. I've never been one to rob in those games. I always feel too bad. Really? Yes. That is... I know they're digital people. I just feel bad. totally the opposite when it comes to being digital online. Because I'm just psychopath. Yeah, I know. I mean, we Walking Dead says that, but we're not talking about yeah. Walking Dead. But anyhow, the thing that I liked about Marwin was the fact that you could go into different places into the cities. One of them, I think, was called uh, Vivek. That was also named after the god. Oh, we talked and, about this earlier. Yeah. yeah. And that is the place where you had booksellers, blacksmiths, the guard quarters. There was, uh, what, what is it, like a palladium and everything to it. Just, I liked it. And it also had a sewer, and you could go out down into the sewers, and you could live there. In fact, uh, rather than build a house or anything, before I got into the modding scene, I would move things down there and put it into piles in the sewer to be like, just like, this is my house. <laughs> You're, you were a weird kid. I mean, you still are, but yeah. yeah. But I see what you mean, because in 
from what you're describing, that feels very dissimilar to, let's say, Skyrim, where it feels as though each of those cities are basically one layer. And if you combine all of those cities together, they might create something really interesting and full. But from what you're describing, it sounds like that's not... Correct. And the thing that I really hated, and I noticed this the most when I played Fallout... uh... Not New Vegas, what was the... Fallout 4 and also Fallout 3, which I still enjoy the Fallout series, but the thing that I hated about Fallout 3 is the fact there were just questions of where I'd be like, this town is built around a nuke. That's all fun and good and everything, but where the fuck do they get their water? Where do they get their food? Uh, People seem to live, and it's a town that also only seems to have, like, 50 houses, whereas, like... I've killed raider gangs that have a hundred people. Those are the towns. This is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, I think that rule number one from what we're experiencing thus far is make your city livable. Make it so you can you can justify having the amount of people. And I think a lot of people tend not to think about that. They tend to think of the cool, interesting thing and forget about the details. You know, I'm not saying that you need detailed schematics for your shit houses, but at least have some shit houses somewhere or at least a way to dispose of waste and have food sources. I forget if you spoke of this or if this is some green tech story from way back when of someone who built a, like a mega city in a very low fantasy setting and there was no way for waste. Or, they're like, how do we feed this many people? It's, it's a huge... Uh, amount of people there's not enough food coming in we can easily starve out this this city and or start a fire and suddenly it will spread like wildfire because there's not enough there's no way to control the blaze mm-hmm. it'll just go out and the person who had created the setting was just like no and they, then the players became all about just like no we're, we're gonna burn this city to the ground this was not me because my players would never do that to me because they love me and also because I wouldn't let that happen. I would create something on the fly that would just... You know, I don't yeah. mean that you were the one who created the city, but it might have been you who oh, me were telling just like, about this, is, this is a bad story that I heard. Oh, no. no. Uh, maybe that actually sounds kind of reminiscent of a Knights of the Dinner Table comic from way back in the day. Uh, man, I can't... Yeah, we'll get into that some other time. I used to love that comic. But we've got our, we've got our cities that we like. Yes. So let's go ahead and introduce the city that we're talking about today, and we're finishing creating. To, well, not finishing. This is all a work in progress. But we're going to introduce some interesting aspects of the city. We chose two each. We originally went with districts, but we inevitably just went with aspects of the city, which I think is a little bit more broad and allows us to create more interesting as or a more interesting city, I should say. Yeah. So, why don't you go first and introduce your first aspect to the city? One of the things that I did was I kind of researched about cities that I liked back in history Mm -hmm. or what made them interesting. And one of the aspects that I wanted was a canal system slash uh, these things called chimpas, I believe they're called. And it's like these man-made islands that are just kind of like gardens or also like fishnets. So, that's what people get their food from or depending on how developed the city is going to be, it just becomes a public garden. So is, it's a greenway for for the city. Yeah, is is that kind of inspired by like Aztecs, like the the lake, the, yeah. the floating gardens, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's really cool. So interestingly enough, I actually had an idea as well to kind of incorporate, like you, 
I am also a big history nerd and I went and did a little bit of research. Uh, engineering is very boring to read up on, but what is not boring to read up on is how engineering was applied. And some things that I actually found involved a lot of aqueducts and a lot of step wells. So step wells, I don't think would necessarily fit here because they're essentially just wells that people dig very deep into the earth in order to source water. This is typically India. Mm. I've seen pictures of them. Yeah, I think I brought up some pictures because some of them are brilliantly intricate and really beautiful and also incredibly functional. But in my mind, I think that what I was wanting, what, what I wanted to go with was some kind of aqueduct system. However, with the idea of a floating garden or or what did you call them? Chimpas? Chimpas? We'll have to we'll we'll have to check that at Ch- some point. Chimpas. Yeah, don't don't trust my pronunciation of anything. Don't trust most of what Chris says, but I'm a man of approximate knowledge. <laughs> yes. So So I like that idea that we can... So in my mind, actually, when I was building this, originally I was trying to figure out an interesting way to incorporate aqueducts and how they would be incorporated because my idea was I wanted a city on a cliff uh, that was essentially a a gate city. Uh, One that was... you, You could have a lift from the bottom to the top and that was a major way that they were essentially merchants or you know perhaps built around that and i think because i thought engineering simple elevators would have absolutely been a thing back in the day Mm -hmm. so let's scrap the idea for an aqueduct and just go with some kind of natural well were you thinking of a lake or were you thinking of a river i was thinking river Mm -hmm. which will feed possibly into my next idea okay okay so so one of the things that i loved when i was in italy earlier this year we went to the Villa d'Est, which is essentially this giant mansion slash area. It's it's a UNESCO world site, actually. And one of the really cool things about it is that it's built on the lower part of a mountain. And they have French cardinal who, or maybe an Italian cardinal, some kind of Catholic cardinal, who had built this manor on the side of a mountain and he had engineered it so they would take running water and they would spit it out through these beautiful fountains and they would create these essentially man-made but not man-made fountains that were entirely run on the natural gravity of water flowing from the top to the bottom. And it was really, really cool to, to see how it worked and it how long it's lasted. I mean, it's been hundreds of years yeah. since it was engineered. So if we wanted to go and take something like that, something like we're taking a river waterfall. and then we're, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to necessarily go waterfall because I think that's kind of like a little tropey, I would mm. imagine. But I mean, why not go water? I, but if we wanted to, why not? Right. Like we could do the, the city on a waterfall and I have no problem doing that. I mean, it could also it, it, going with your idea of an aqueduct or anything. Why does the river have to be natural? Why isn't it something that we've diverted off to the side of this cliff? Yeah, I'm I'm totally okay with that. So it's not it's not even a natural waterfall yeah. at this point. So it okay now okay now I'm back on board with the yeah, waterfall. There we again. go. Okay, but at that point, does it have to be a waterfall? I mean, why wouldn't it just be? Oh yeah, why it, don't it's the overflow? 
Right, right. But no, let's not make it a waterfall. Let's make that water. Like they've diverted this river to essentially flow over a cliff, but they're not, it, it, like none of the water actually gets out. It's all being diverted and used for something else. Essentially using that water to fuel engines or elevators. Water wheels. Water um, wheels, absolutely. So you can create this kind of, well, like I said before, I had this idea that the city's on a cliff. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my aspects that I really wanted to dig into was this idea that if the city's on a cliff and if we're diverting the water from a natural river, I mean, I, I love that idea, first of all, because the other thing that I was looking into but ultimately decided not to go with was dams and maybe working something out that way. But if we divert a river, that's essentially scratching the same itch for me. And we can create a an unnatural waterfall. I, I'm, I'm totally okay yeah. with that. And then not only that, but now you have an entire city running on water-based, you know, engines and whatnot. We can definitely work with something like that. Ecological things uh, aside of what that might mean as far as diverting an entire river. But you know what? I don't think the ancients really cared about that too Look, much. They were just like, now we're doing it and... This is the river now. Right. That's for the god of rivers to get upset about. Not, That's true. That's true. I mean, realistically, maybe maybe that is uh, part of the secret or part of the idea that they were at war. The god of engineering won. And, you know, screw the god of river. He, he's, he's now a, a magical item somewhere <laughs> being used as kind of a, a giant engine for the city. Mm. What I what I wanted to talk about with the city on a cliff, I like I said before, I brought this up. I, I wanted to talk about the mercantilism aspect of the city. What does it make money doing? And part of me wants to make it so, yes, you can go around this cliffside, but if you wanted to make it there quickly and easy and perhaps safer, maybe the mountains are home to some kind of dangerous denizens, you could just take the lift from the bottom to the top. And these lifts are large enough where you can transport armies. You'd be able to transport goods and services so caravans can come through. Essentially, what we'd be doing is creating the an, an ancient version of the Panama Canal by creating these li- by by creating them. Yeah, oh, I, you I, can I think- even have it this way. It's not so much of a burden on one elevator a system of locks yes yeah yeah that that's that's the idea that i had that it was a terraced city as well so it would be you know there's the bottom and then there'd say three or four terraced areas that are built into the side of this cliff face yeah and i forget if it's in uh, a wise man's fear or in the name of the wind yes there's like that that elevator system where there was some that was for rich people because it was nicer and it was fancier and then there was the ones that were for poor people that were like animal powered yes yeah that was uh, i believe that was wise man's fear this okay. is uh the king killer series by patrick rothfuss and yeah I, I believe that's correct i think that there was something like that where you could get on the big group elevator yeah. and but you're forced to deal with the rabble but the cheaper uh, the more expensive one you had it was quicker or something like yeah, that. yeah i could also see uh any of almost private elevators that could pop up because if everything's water powered if you have the ability to harness some water power or say mm. you slaves i don't know what's in this city i wanted to stay away from slaves with this one with i wanted the technology to be, yeah because you have technology I, I would imagine that it's it's more of a replacing the workforce yeah yeah more or less so you'd have a lot more agrarian style you know but, but I, I can just picture some noble who has 
a literal gilded cage that he can lower himself and his retinue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from. I could definitely see that. I could. I, I. I was trying to stay away from a huge class divide with this. Yeah. I liked the idea that there was less of a, a noticeable difference between the peasantry and and those who are rich. But I mean, I, I'm open to ideas because if we really want our world to be brutish, we can have it be that way. Although, I mean, there's injustice everywhere, so I, I can see, I can understand if we just go ahead and. It's not the city of justice. Oh God. Yeah, we'll get to that one. That'll be that'll be a really interesting city slash god to explore because I feel like justice is a very loose term at this point. Hmm. Yours was going to be elevators. Is yes, that, that... my my two elements were city on a cliff and elevators. Okay, so li- a lift system. Hmm. Those were the major two elements that I wanted to focus on, and yours were essentially public greenways built on a river. Mm-hmm. And what was the second option that you had? So the other option that I have is something that I was on the fence with. I, I, I feel like you, we've already touched on this, the water wheel and everything, because I wanted something that could power machinery throughout the city. So that works well with the diverted river. I was also debating maybe a hot spring, some kind of can, because what what really separated really old technology was, imagine if the invention of steam happened 400 years early. Mm. Like, even if it was from a natural geyser or something, and this technologically advanced city was just like, all right, yeah, we can harness this. We're not harnessing it in, like, a boiler system, but it would give, one, the background of going just like, oh, yeah, we do this with this. What if we were to just burn a fire and contain this? It mm-hmm. it allows you to branch out. My, my other one that I was debating was the city founded, kind of like a dome of the rock almost thing of the uh, technology where first recorded uh, history was put for them. Like uh, just scrawled onto a tree and it's now a petrified tree. So was this something that the city came upon or this is something that a city founder did and grew up around? City founder. Okay. I, I like that idea a little bit more because with the steam idea, I'm a little afraid that we're getting into a steampunk. steampunk. Yeah, and I, I love steampunk as an idea, and I love it as a subject. But, but it I, takes over very quickly of where it's suddenly, hey, we didn't intend this, but suddenly there's zeppelins and goggles everywhere. Exactly, and I mean, I, I love me some some gob some some golems and some zeppelins. Don't get me wrong. But I, I would like to try and stay away from uh, some kind of steampunk aspect. So we can definitely do a Dome of the Rock type aspect. So we're, we're talking about the history of this place now, the founding of it. What started the founding of this, essentially? Because that's, that's what I would imagine this aspect to be based around. One of the things that I had in one of my campaigns that was fallout inspired was i had this group of very technological tribes people and the way that they worked is the really smart ones of them before the fall of civilization or anything which that can go into some sort of atlantis myth or anything before they died out they quickly got paranoid and just started writing everything that they could they knew each one who was ever an expert in his field started just chiseling this information and it became 
almost like a Bible, but also just words that they would have to study growing up, where it was just like, oh yeah, this is a pretty basic engineering principle. I memorized this as I was a child because the elders told me to. So you're saying that, and maybe, and I'm also brainstorming as you're saying this, so maybe, because we're going based around the God of engineering, maybe this area is the first, like this, this founder essentially wrote down the first schematic. Hmm. So this is like a foundational technology or a foundational aspect of engineering. Bam, we now have that and that's codified as maybe, let's say, a, a monolith or something more natural. I, I actually do like the idea that it's a it's a tree of some kind. And especially because I imagine, because it's cliffside now, you can have a massive kind of, not gnarled, but like a nice twisty tree. Mm. And then the root system. And then it's perhaps, you know, on the... I imagine it as this is a sacred area. So they've cordoned off this part of natural. There's a bunch of city. And then there's this holy spot, or perhaps just historic spot, where there's a tree and carved into this now petrified Mm tree is essentially the first codified laws of engineering. Yeah. So I think that'd be really cool because now it's, and I don't want this to necessarily be the God heart. I think it's a great idea, but at the same time, I like this to be separate because it's, I I didn't want it to be the God heart either because I wanted it to be somewhat natural. That's why part of the reason I went for tree was one, I like the fact that tree of knowledge kind of thing, bouncing off of that, but also the fact of engineering came from the natural world. Yeah, because you, there's natural principles that apply. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's really great. I, I really like where we're going with this whole idea. So we've got our four aspects of codified relic tree. Not necessarily, or not a god heart. It's built on a cliff. There it is water-powered. And it is... Uh, the canals, the, the, chimpas. Yeah, the... the uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to... We we're going to Google that. At some point, we really should. I just, yeah. I know I heard it once, and that's what I'm going with. I'm really hoping that you're not just saying some ethnic slur this entire time. <laughs> oh my god! And you've just been tricked or befooled. Oh, this, and oh I'm so. I, don't I would want, like to announce that I am very sorry to the. Going forward, we'll have Chris Prunty replaced here on World Build with us <laughs> with someone who is less racist. Uh, anyway, so. What, where do we want to go from here? So we have the basic concepts of our city. We have the god of engineering. We have the mercantilism aspect. We're, we're kind of building it up as we go. I think we touched on it next time and you wanted to dedicate an episode to it. And I agree. Uh, technology. Where is the world at? Because if we say, we already know that they're advanced. You could build off of the fact that they can power something into refining, machining, any of that stuff. But where is the rest of the world at? Are we looking at Bronze Age, Iron Age? So let's, well, let's talk about... Renaissance. Let's not talk about the rest of the world. Let's talk specifically about the city. Mm-hmm. Where is this city in terms of technology? Hmm. Because the way that I'm seeing it, some of the aspects that we have are fairly advanced. Yeah. we. I'm not talking about, you know, rifling or, or necessarily... How do you feel about iron? Because I imagine that, like, are these cliffs full of some kind of natural mineral that's being mined out? That part of me wanted to know, like, why did they divert a river to this spot? Mm-hmm. And part of what I wanted to go with is maybe even like a hot spring scenario, going back to the geyser, mm-hmm. because sulfur, 
making gunpowder. Right, but the river wouldn't be hot at that point. Natural springs are geothermal. They're Correct. It doesn't necessarily have to be the fact that it's like geysers. It could just be uh, vents, like a geothermically active area. I would imagine, based on what we've gone through thus far, that the reason they diverted the river is to create this... uh, Power source. Power source and pulley system for the lifts. Okay. So I imagine that due to excellent city planning, they foresaw the, the need and the ability to create a lift system and thus use this riverway as as a, a source to power the, the lifts, Okay, and that does... The, the fact that you would need heavy machinery lifts and other heavy machinery right there, mm-hmm. uh, mining would be neat. Well, I, I, how much heavy machinery, do you, heavy machinery do you actually need? Because realistically, with, with diverted water in a pulley system... You could actually do a lot of the... Oh, I just mean like, there, there was like a Chinese water wheel that I saw that it was just a bunch of hammers just breaking apart rocks so oh. that they could separate it. And what they would do is, it, it would have like eight different hammers going down, and they would just break apart all these rocks, and then someone would pull the wood that it was, and to shove it all in hammers would stop and then they would pick apart just like all right that looks like mostly metal mostly metal mostly metal mostly metal i that sounds really cool i like that idea a lot yeah. but once again technology is uh yeah tech is really I, important. I think the fact that there's iron would support technology it would support why you need a pulley system because mm-hmm. if you're refining this and shipping it you you need heavy beasts of burden or something and if you can cut the way of how far people need to go all the better sure I, I could totally see that. So with this in mind, going going ba- back back to what we were talking about, we were talking about the idea that good cities are believable and livable. So we have an aspect of technology that seems to be what the city's based around in this machinery aspect, in this cliff face aspect, in essentially being a gate city. How are we feeding the people of the city? Originally, I was thinking, well, it's a river. Why not just catch the fish in the river? But eventually, they won't be able to r- swim back up the river, and it, f- and it destroys the ecosystem. What else do you think we could do for food? Well, I mean, the gardens would also feed the people. Sure. So you're, you're saying that outside of where it drops off, there's just massive agrarian areas where you can have a source for crops, essentially. Yeah. Also, think about it. At every few areas before it reaches the city, it's still uh, the, you could have the water wheels of irrigation. Sure. So actually, the, the screws. No, no. Actually, I, I just thought of something. So if we're going to have a water-based or a water diversion-based city, one of the things that is a staple crop for that has that essentially rice patties is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So we can have giant rice paddies that are controlled by floodwaters that are flooded and let go. I think that actually fits really, really well based on the theme that we're going for here with the city. What I would like to avoid now that we've said that is every Asian stereotype ever. <laughs> so if we could if we could not make them Asian, that would be just super. In the meantime. Not Asian, not Greek. I don't know why. I don't I don't wanna well, Greek is, yeah, 
Greek is kind of the, I don't want to say standard, but it kind of feels that way, right? Well, no, England is the standard at this mm. point. But mm. yeah, okay, so not Asian, not Greek. What do we, do we want to go, mm, we should we should try and avoid this topic, I think, for now. Of, of I, I say just develop more about the city and then whatever happens, happens. Agreed. But I do like the idea that we're doing rice patties because it fits so well with the theme of diverting rivers and, and using water as a power source. Yeah, you gotta you gotta mix livestock in there somewhere for the meat. Yeah, I mean I, I think that's pretty obvious. But I think at that point, why not just you I mean you can essentially name anything. I don't think it really matters too much. That's true. You got the water, you got the food to feed them. Yeah, we could we could do something like water buffalo or oxen or something like that. If you're talking about beasts of burden, they would prove double time oh, both that's true, that's as true. some you know like essentially yoked ox and why not? Yeah, I mean I think that's a great idea that we can fit into the rest of the world. Now, what I also wanted to do and what I also wanted to incorporate is the races that we'd previously established in the last in the last session. So I think for the Ashenborn, they're kind of a nomadic race, so they can go, or not nomadic, but they're sparse enough that they can pop up in any in any city. So they work here. For the Spriggan, I can see a really interesting aspect where you're getting two, two perhaps two distinct Spriggan classes within the city, one being of the river, one being of the cliffside. And at that point, you might get some tension between the two. You could have a really fun and interesting Romeo and Juliet between oh the Spriggans. God. And not only that, but what happens when you mix the two together? Mm. That's where I wanted to go with the Spriggans because I can see them very easily being among the cliffside, having communities car literally carved out there. And maybe that's part of an ethnic district where it is cliffside built into these like kind of domed huts or something like that much more open to the natural world whereas most of the humans and i assume this is a mostly human city would be living on top of the cliffs you know amongst perhaps more of the gardens and there's sure there's some buildings that are built along the sides yeah especially if we're doing a terraced building but i also like the idea that we're I don't like the idea that humans would live on the sides of cliffs because we, it would be... We did do that, though. I know we did that, but be, my, I'm trying to avoid it because I'm trying to avoid the trope of those at the top are the more rich ones. And oh, those I see. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, you live in the valley. Right, right. So if we're going to be doing that, I'd like to try and avoid that trope, if at all possible. Yeah, I... I, I... I wasn't with my gilded cage before. I was mainly saying just as a fast way down. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's that's totally understandable. Because technically, I, I think it would be more expensive to live inside the cliffside, hmm. and then you could even have, say, your gilded cage is just to go up to the to the terrace, to among the rabble. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. I it's, mean, it's what's more than a... a private like area than it? Just like no one can even get to my house without this elevator. Hmm. I, I could I could see that. I'm also worried about what's because again, human nature, I'm going back to history. I'm thinking what's to prevent the rabble from just literally tossing their garbage and shit down the side of the cliff. Mm, that's a good point. Especially if there's rich people down there. If, if it were real life, that's yeah, people would be spitting off of that all the time. All the time. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, I don't have an answer. 
I could mainly say maybe some sort of strong wind or uh, their patio area. An umbrella. Has, has a very nice canopy. It's yeah. So so let's shelve this idea for now, and we'll revisit it at some point. Let's try and inter- like let's try and integrate some of your ideas of the quill and the to be named in order to figure that out. So the quill I could easily see going to this city, maybe to learn under someone. Maybe they even have like what they see as a school of masters kind of thing. Engineers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I could see them being naturally drawn just to be just like, oh, hey, I'm going to research into what's been going on. What's the latest thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, even to maybe not just engineering but as a learned place yeah i could see well engineering is so important and makes a lot of things easier i can imagine there being a lot more leisure or perhaps a lot more focus on something that's not just backbreaking labor all the the more you automate something the more you're given time to think research and Mm -hmm. do other things yeah i could totally see that i could see this being a place of scholars as well so why don't we why don't we d- definitively add that? So there's now a school that is perhaps quill led or quill run that is a source of pride for the city. There's just one thing that I'm worried about and it, it can go back and forth because I'm on the fence about how it's handled. Kind of like how in Game of Thrones there's that whole maester conspiracy theory. I'm worried that the quill will also have some sort of oh yeah they're they're the learned type there's some sort of shadowy thing going on with them they think they're better than us they think we're smarter but I'm fine with it being assumed that it's there and it's absolutely not kind of like the Maester's conspiracy right well why don't we take that idea and flip it and add it. so what would make the people be less worried about the this Maester conspiracy this quill academy if you will. What I'm thinking is why not have their work have a lot to do with public outreach, public works in general. Oh, public engineering, yeah. Public, exactly. So let's let's try and make some things that, yes, these are learned people, but they're also producing a lot of important technological advancements specifically to help people in need. And that would also, I think, add to the benevolent nature of the quill hmm. Because at that point, they're like, hey, I know that we're creepy symbiotes, but we're also here to help. Yeah, there's a big PR campaign within their race where they're just like, come on, you know, it's we're not we're not evil. We're not evil. We're not evil. (laughs) I could see it being the founder being a really big proponent of that. Like, look, we're here. Yes, we're here to learn, but we're also here to make the world better. Hmm. I, I could I could easily see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what about your unnamed ancient progenitor race that's decayed to the point where they're essentially mud people? So I was thinking about that, and a way that you could incorporate them into here is as you dig deeper into the mountain, maybe you discover some stuff that's underground. I was thinking that as well. I like the idea that there's Spriggan workmen who are digging within the mines, and all of a sudden there is a natural cave that opens up and it is... Something like the rats in the walls, where there's these just cyclopean buildings and unknown. We found this weird obelisk, and whenever we get near it, our heads seem to hurt. Right, I could, I could easily see that. I, I like the idea that. I mean, that's a trope that I'm totally okay with. Where the digger you, the the deeper you dig, you can. Find, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft. Almost yeah, just happy birthday. <laughs> Is it his birthday? Yes. Is it? Is it really? It was the other day. Yes. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. How about that. Well, he's 
Necronomicon. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, 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 lo- I loved him as a kid, and the older I get, the more I'm like, man, he was a loser incel who was a racist. Hey. He absolutely... I love his stuff, but it's true, man. Just because he named one cat. Oh, oh, we're not getting into okay. this. Okay, but anyhow. I'm going to cut this. No, I'm kidding. I might not. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I was also thinking, and I'm still playing with the name. You've got to have some kind of unknowable name. Yes. It's not going to be like the Slarks. It's got to be something. Well, that's the thing. Maybe uh, the Forgotten is what people call them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whatever they call themselves, you know what? That's what they call themselves. And they're incomprehensible. Okay. Um, I like the idea of a title name. I think that is suitable for that race. Mm-hmm. And why not? Let's let's go a step further then. Let's go ahead and name what is something that has been dragged out by the forgotten. Or not not by the forgotten, but what's something that these Spriggan workmen have pulled out from the caves and is now essentially on display in the city. Maybe it's a a museum curio, or maybe it's something else, but I like the idea that they found something and it is now a part of the city, and it's something that you can visit and explore. I wouldn't mind it being some sort of strange and eerie Rosetta Stone-like thing mm-hmm. that is just covered in the, this weird writing made out of, to, to go with the trope, almost made, looks like it's made out of obsidian that's been carved. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually thinking uh, stone that was unlike the rest of the cliffside. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking obsidian. I was actually thinking more of like a red sandstone or something like that. Oh, I could go with red. I could go with red. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, they're pulling out slabs of granite and then all of a sudden they break into a cave and it's like, oh, what? None of this makes any sense. And then geologic. Oh, we should really dig into. Oh, um, we should really dig in to uh, geological surveys and, and oh, yeah. people like that because if, if this is going to be such an important aspect of the city, I think it makes sense that they would have geological experts around as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. And also, one of the things about mining under your city, you would really not want to upset... Uh, you don't want like sinkholes in any, anything. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, that's actually very true. Geological surveys would be pretty important, especially if... What happens if it diverts the river? Like, there's definitely some fail-safes going on. Mm-hmm. I also f- feel like that's a little hook for things. It just, like, they find this pocket that was just this red stone that was there. And they're like, what if there's more of these? What if there's a bunch? What if this hill is hollowed out? We don't know. Ooh. Yeah. That now, see, now you've got my mind racing with the idea that this is a hollowed-out hill and it's a hollowed out cliffside, but because of where the city is situated, they're just they're feet away from discovering this at this point. I think that's really fun. I think that we should probably incorporate that. So I think we're at the point now where we've got the logistical aspects of the city down. And so what I wanted to talk about next is we're we're close to the end of our time here. So let's go ahead and wrap up, but we should before we finish the episode, we should talk about what we're going to talk about in the city next time. We're talking about making the city livable, and I feel a lot of the logistics are taken care of, so what else should we explore to make this city feel more alive? I think we should go over some of the culture aspects of the city, 
uh, what do people do for their day to day? Not not everyone can be an engineer. So mm -hmm. how are people living their day to day life? So we're talking about art and music. We're talking about leisure again at this point. In their free time, uh, places that people go, little things. What, what, what is the food like? Sure. We can besides rice. Besides rice and oxen. Sure. We can definitely talk about that. I would also like to explore what the general surroundings are like and what's dangerous about the city. If you're someone who's entering this city for the first time, what are we looking for to kind of keep you on edge? Are there bandits? How much law is there? Are people being taken out of their homes at night by these forgotten people? Is that a rumor? Did I just make that up? Yes, obviously. Also going over just cultural norms. What are, what are certain things that if you went into the city would mark you as an outsider and what would mark you as a native? Like what was something that you would do in another city that would people would be like, oh man, he, he's from a city to be named. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a really good thing because you know when you travel, you tend to, or even when you move from city to city, you get those kind of natural or, or local digs and stuff like that. What do you mean that the tea shuts down at midnight? I'm, I'm used to having 24-hour public access to transportation. Or when, when I was traveling in Amsterdam, why is everything so accessible and nice and clean? And why does everyone have such a, a strong sense of civic pride? Uh, speaking of which, we gotta get things done before Italian nap time happens. Oh yeah, we we definitely haven't. We have to add in something that's like Italian nap time. I'm not talking about like a risposo, but I'm talking about something that is akin to there is some kind of thing in the city that makes it really unique and fun. Okay, I, I like where this is going. Let's let's really dive into the cultural aspects of our soon to be named city next time on World Build With Us. If you have any questions for us here or any suggestions for the next episode, some kind of cultural aspect like you'd like to introduce, or maybe you'd just like to talk to us about something that's weird in your city, you can email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. I've been Rob Hilferty here with Chris Prunty. Hello. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.